What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming to you after a hiatus for a couple of weeks because the Pacers weren't doing all that much. But now, this week is arguably the biggest one in the franchise's recent history. It's going to be an intense day in about 48 hours time when the NBA draft lottery happens and the Pacers have got a chance to pick anywhere between the first pick and the ninth pick, which is not something that we've done since the 80s, Justin. It's it's finally sort of upon us and it feels weird to be kind of working the lottery. We, we've had lottery picks before, but they've been... 10, 11, 12, 13, they haven't been to this level. I mean, it's a bit of a weird feeling going into this lottery. Yeah, it is, Adam. And you mentioned it's one of the most important picks in franchise history. I'd nearly say, depending where we finish in the lottery, but it is the most important pick with the way the team's going um, and what's on the line. It's funny, the Pace's social media team put up a post today. I'm sure you saw Adam and our listeners as well but yeah the last time the Pacers had uh, a top nine pick um Taylor Swift wasn't even born yet so um yeah it's, it's been uh, 1989 I think it was which makes poor little old me I wasn't born yet either so um yeah crazy times and I, I kind of quote tweeted it as well and said look if the basketball gods are out there we know who deserves that number one pick Adam and it is the blue and gold absolutely I mean it's it's such a, a crazy thing to think that we've got effectively a, you know, nearly 50% chance to pick in the top five of this draft, which is crazy, right? Like it, it, everything has to go to plan. I mean, 50-50 is not a proposition that you really want, but at the same time, it's the best that you're going to get in this system aside from being one of the worst teams in the league. So let's go through the odds for each pick heading into this draft lottery. For the first pick, we've got a 10.5% chance. Second pick, the same, 10.5%. Third pick, 10.6%. Not really sure why that's rounded up, but hey, we've got a slightly better chance at the third pick. Fourth pick, 10.5% chance. The fifth pick, which is ironically the slot that we find ourselves in in terms of the lottery, we've only got a 2.2% chance of picking fifth. So the weird thing is that we have the fifth best odds but the lowest percentage chance we've got aside from picking ninth is the spot that we find ourselves, which means that we are in prime position to move up or move down. So for those of you that don't follow the lottery all that much, they'll, you know, work their way back from the very last pick in the lottery, pick 14 through to pick one. And if any team with lower odds than the paces ends up, leapfrogging into the top three so their name does not get read out in order that means they're in the top three and if the paces didn't join them in the top three then the paces would move back at least one pick and that is why we have a 19.6 percent chance of the sixth pick and a 26.7 percent chance of the seventh pick goes down 8.7 percent for the eighth pick and less than a one percent chance for the ninth pick so we could pick anywhere from one to nine. We've got a better chance of picking after five than we do before five marginally. It's about 55, 45% wise. So it's basically a coin flip at this point. So 
Justin, obviously you've said that the karma train needs to come for the paces. They haven't had a pick in a long time. If we drop back to seven to eight, it's an interesting decision that Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle and this franchise has to make because this draft is known as having four, maybe five players in that top tier. The Athletic put out their latest big board. They have five players in their top tier. They then have about 15 players in their second tier. So that shows you that this draft is super top heavy, but also deep in that second tier. The, the talent does drop away. You've got guys like Usman Jeng, who I've spoken about on this show before, that played in New Zealand and is raw, athletic, has all the tools that you want, but is super, super young and also doesn't have the ability to help you straight away. He's going to take a little bit of time to mature. So that's the level of player that you're picking if you fall out of the top five. If you do fall out of the top five, do you do these two options for you, Justin? Do you trade up and package anyone except for your young core to get up? Or alternatively, do you trade back and you try and get maybe two picks? Or do you try and get a, a first round of next year and load up for next year's draft? It's a, yeah, it's really good. I guess it's all circumstantial. If, if I'm going to predict it, I, I don't think there's any way the paces move back. I think it's kind of, this might be silly for me to say, but I think it's kind of suicidal in a sense that you've essentially done awful. The fans are so excited to get a, yeah. a top nine pick for once. I can't see them trading, say, the seventh pick and moving back to get the 13th pick, like that would just be the most standard classic paces move. And I just can't see it going down well with the, with the fan base. And look, I know Kevin Pritchard's not going to do things for the fan base. He's going to do what he feels is best. So look, if he does it, obviously that that's what he thought was the best move to make, but um, trading up. Yes. I could see that happen for sure. It's a pity. We don't have that Cleveland pick in the mid 15, 16, 17 range to, to use as some ammo, um, which it's frustrating, Adam, because I would have been so less stressed about this draft lottery on Thursday, Australia time, if we had Cleveland's pick. Because if we had pick seven, pick eight, you go, oh, well, we got eight, 15. If we want someone at five, you load those two picks together. But now we don't have that asset. A lot hinges on Thursday. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, about the lottery odds. I think if you're a Pacer fan, you just don't want to see that Pacers logo come out of any envelope until after after you've got the sixth one, you can be a bit safer percentage wise. Yep, we're going to be in the top top four. So let's let's run through the the top five players in this draft according to the Athletic. So Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray is at five. Uh, Shaden Sharp is a guy that. Uh, people are a huge fan of, including our uh, our friend Alex Riley, uh, who is recovering from the Pangolins' revenge right now. But um, we we're in a position to be able to draft potentially one of those top five players. Uh, it's interesting that uh, that fifth player, Keegan Murray, is in that group because usually you just associate this draft with that top four, with Paolo, with Jabari Smith, with Jaden Ivey, and with Chet. So. Interesting to see that there's another player that is sort of known to be in that tier. If we do get that six, seven, eight, nine pick that we absolutely don't want, I mean, I think the the overwhelming thing for me would be that you need to trade Malcolm 
if you can, to any of those teams above you to try and move up. I think it's key. It's clear that Malcolm Malcolm's time in Indiana has come to an end, and I think it makes sense for both sides to send him to a situation where he can be successful and give the franchise something back in return. So for me, you either try and trade Malcolm for a mid-first-round pick to package with your pick to move up, so you make a couple of moves to try and get up, or alternatively, if you have a buyer for Malcolm Brogdon in the lottery, you know, a team like Portland, a team like um, even Sacramento, if they if they leapt ahead of us in the draft, then, you know, you have to try and package Malcolm with your pick to move up. That's, that's a logical move. I think the less um, popular one would be if we were to package Miles with our pick to move up because that would be not probably a, a, a huge, pop, hugely popular decision from our fan base's point of view, but you could understand if you end up picking Paolo uh, and you get a center back or you get a center in free agency, then maybe that's better than sticking with the sixth, seventh, eighth pick and keeping Miles on this team. I mean, it's we're in the position now where TJ Warren's a free agent, Malcolm and Miles are there, don't really know what the future holds for those guys. TJ McConnell, don't really know what the future holds for him either. Um, Buddy Heald, there's another guy that you could potentially, you know, if you, I'm looking at Portland as well, because clearly like Dame's sticking around there. So if they get a pick and have the ability to be able to add a Malcolm Brogdon as well as keep a top 10 pick, then, you know, maybe they consider that if they're picking fourth and they move down to six or seven. I mean, I'm looking at these sorts of options and thinking there has to be a way for us to be able to get out of a bad lottery position. Yeah, there is. And it's really interesting. Like I feel like Brogdon's definitely going to be dangled come draft night as well, Adam. Um, I guess it just depends. Like, is he going to be the the kind of bait to get us a top four or five pick? Whether any of the teams like, you know, OKC, Houston really going to be keen on a Malcolm Brogdon? I don't think so. Orlando, no. You know, Brogdon's kind of been linked with the New York Knicks. So something like that yeah. happens. But, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I just, Look, my... Washington is another one. Washington yeah. with Beal and Porzingis potentially Washington get the third pick and you've got the sixth pick. Maybe you move up and you package Malcolm Brogdon in there as well. For sure. For sure. And yeah, I, I don't know, like prediction wise, I know it's silly. I guess every Pacer fan's got their gut feel of, of what, where we're going to pick. And most of them, most of us probably tend towards the bad things. We're probably used to the Pacers getting some bad luck over the years, but um, I've actually got a sneaking suspicion we'll, we'll pick third. I'm going to be positive and I reckon we're going to fall to the top three and I'll be really excited. And then they'll, uh, they'll, they'll pick third. What are you, what are your predictions, Adam? Yeah. I, I think given the, given the odds, um, I think I'd be happy with fourth. I'd be really yep. with fourth, to be honest. Like, I think if we were to sneak into that top four, uh, get the opportunity to draft a Jaden Ivey or a Jabari Smith or Paolo Banchero, um, notice I didn't say the other guy's name. If we had an opportunity to draft one of those guys, then I think you win. I think ultimately you put yourself in a position to be really successful. I mean, when you start getting into that five, six, seven range, you're talking about Keegan Murray, you're talking about Shaden Sharp, Benedict Mathurian, um, AJ Griffin, those sorts of guys. And even if you get 
uh, way down and you can't find a, you know, a trade partner, you're looking at a guy like Dyson Daniels, who is an Australian and we would love to see Dyson Daniels play for the Pacers, don't get me wrong, but that would be a, <laughs> that would be a fail in terms of lottery position because this is the one and only chance that this franchise has in being able to draft high. The only other possibility is if you somehow trade down or trade right out of the draft and get multiple first round picks from a team that is going to be struggling the next couple of years. And you're in Boston's position where you're trying to build a team, but you're also relying on another team losing. So you don't have to lose to actually benefit in the draft. That's the only other situation where this could fall in your favor. If you get the eighth pick and you end up getting two first rounders from, you know, someone that it, that runs a terrible franchise because ultimately that's kind of what you're shooting for, right? You you really want to trade with a, a team that's not got a future with it, like Washington or Sacramento, those teams that are going to stay down for a little while. So really it's a it's such a long shot to be able to trade either down or out of the draft. You're better off trying to get the best pick possible, pairing that pick with one of the best 21-year-olds in the league in Tyrese Halliburton and building something in Indiana over the next five to 10 years, because really that's the other thing about a great lottery pick. And I've said it all, you know, for, for years and years, you are in control of the first eight to nine years of this guy's career. Yeah. So you have the ability to have this player contracted for up to nine seasons. And that's a huge investment that you make in them, but it is also a huge asset that you have the ability to move off of or, you know, if they demand a trade, you can you can get a, a an incredible return for these guys. So I feel like you have to shoot for the stars. You have to try and get a top pick and you have to put all of your scouting into trying to understand who is going to be best out of Jabari and Jaden and Paolo because you don't want Chet. You've already got Miles and, and Chet doesn't really have what you need. So you have to try and shoot for one of those guys. And... I just can't help but think that we need a forward. I mean, we'll get into this as we get closer to the draft, but regardless, Justin, we haven't really had a great wing for a really long time since Paul George. And, you know, we had Reggie Miller. He was a great wing. We had Paul George. He was a great wing. We drafted those guys. And I feel like now's the time to get a wing player that we can kind of rally behind and enjoy watching. It's a great point, Adam. And you, you think about the most successful pacer teams of kind of our era as the last 20, 30 years, and all those good pacer teams have had good wings. You mentioned Reggie Miller. I'll throw in, you know, Ron Artest, um, Paul, Paul George. So every time the Pacers have kind of competed for a championship, they've had a good wing. Um, on my point of view, and I've been vocal about it, and you would know this, Adam, is I, I think there's something about Jaden Ivey. I, I yeah. think he's going to be a pacer. Yeah. I, like yeah. I'm on the NBA draft room. Obviously, he's what mum used to play for the Fever. So he's kind of got the pacer ties. Um, on the NBA draft room, he, their summary about Jaden Ivey is now, before I read this, let's, <laughs> let's mention, you know, pre draft blurbs. You know, they probably said TJ Leaf was the next Dirk. So we'll hold our horses a bit. But it does say um, 
Ivy has a level of explosive ability we haven't seen since Ja Morant and should benefit from the pace and space of NBA play. Plays most like Dwayne Wade and Ja Morant. Like, Adam, I'm sold on this kid. I I saw something on Twitter going viral the other day. It kind of had a mix and match with Ivy and Ja Morant, the similarities, and... Boy, I, I want this kid on. I want this kid a pace, Adam. I I want to go on the record. I want the Pacers to draft him. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds and more, and boom, you have a shot and an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There's something to be said for, and I I still remember it in in the tournament where it was, give me the ball and get the hell out of the way, I'm going to make this winning shot. And when you have that gene, when you have that, ability in you to not only understand the moment but grasp it with both hands and and have the confidence of being able to follow through and the skill to be able to actually do it I mean that's mentally you're there you you can play and you can win at this game because you've already accepted in your mind that you're a winner that you can make winning plays, that you can score, that you can do whatever you want on the court. So that level of confidence coupled with the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in his pre-draft preparation, his workouts and those sorts of things. Um, if he's got his head right in terms of being 100% committed to this, because I think you, you've seen a lot of young players too much, too young, too fast. They go out partying, they do this, they do that. Like, Torres Halliburton doesn't strike me as that sort of guy. And I feel like whoever we get needs to almost be that obsessive winner sort of guy because Reggie was. And that makes all the hell of a lot of difference. And I don't know much about Jaden Ivey's preparation and his mental, but what it told me about taking that shot in the tournament was that he's not scared of the moment and he's built for this. And you want a guy that is built for this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've mentioned on the podcast a lot, Pacer fans have been burnt in the past from stars requesting trades, you know, most recently Oladipo and Paul George. So this, you know, let's just say we land a top five pick, this investment we're going to have in that, that selection you mentioned, Adam, is is going to be so big. Like, yeah, we control it for the next eight, nine years, but we don't want to be holding a player ransom. We want a player who wants to be in Indiana, wants to grow alongside Halliburton. And then, you know, all right, finally, as a Pacer fan, you can see maybe the next three, four years, we could contend again because right now we don't have a chance of even making the playoffs at this rate, really. So um, 
yeah, it's going to be such a. I'd love to be in the draft room. I'll, uh, I'll say that, Adam, when, in June. I'd love to be in that room when the paces are on the clock. I think I'll say this about the whole process, regardless of where we pick. Tyrese Halliburton has to meet all these guys. And we have to pick a guy that can both fit with him and the guy with the highest upside, the guy that can, you know, take us the furthest. So he's got to be a key part of the process. He doesn't pick your player, of course. You've got but people with so much more basketball experience than that. But he needs to be able to gel with this guy. I mean, Torres is in his third season. He's got two more years of his rookie deal, probably another seven after, another five after that. So another seven years, we hope, with this franchise, plus more. So you've got seven years of Tyrese. You've got potentially up to nine years with this rookie. You've got seven years with these two players if you play your cards right. So get a player that Tyrese is going to love playing with for the next seven years. Get a player that's going to love playing with Tyrese for the next seven years and get a guy that is going to grow and be able to contribute. I mean, we've seen what you know Memphis have built and that should be the aim like two top four picks in uh, Morant and Jaron Jackson. And, you know, we, we've we effectively acquired one player at that level in Halliburton. We've got the opportunity to have another. Those players gel super well together because Jaron Jackson doesn't need the ball. He can score if he needs to, but he's a great defensive player. Went missing the playoffs a little bit, but I digress. Like, John Morant, insatiable offensive player. And they've been really lucky and really, really good at drafting with... Brooks and Bain and those guys as well and and made good trades for good role players like Stephen Adams. but And they'll go far over the next few years, but that's the blueprint. You want to get two really young, really good players and ideally a third, and we've already got Duarte and we've already got Jackson and we've already got potentially Jalen Smith. So we've already got Taylor, we've got Preset, we've got this young core of guys that are hungry and want to win and want to play well. You put at the forefront of that, a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, a guy like Jaden Ivey, and then Miles Turner defensively. I mean, that that's exciting. That's something that this team, that every fan of this team can get excited about over the next few years because you still maintain roster flexibility. You can still do something with Buddy Hill's contract, with Miles's contract. You can still make moves to get the right players around Jaden and Tyrese, but it starts there. It's got to start there. And this is the biggest week in the franchise's last 20 years. I mean, it's it's no no joke. This is the biggest time in the franchise's history since they managed to acquire Ron and Jermaine because ultimately we had Reggie then, so we had that building block, but we managed to get Jermaine to pair with him. And then we managed to get the Defensive Player of the Year. So, I mean, I can't understate this or overstate this enough. This is huge. Like we, we've, it's been really hard to cover this team over the last 12 months. Let's be honest. It's been hard to watch them play basketball. You sort of knew that they were heading in this direction and you wanted this direction. But at the same time, when you actually saw it, it was really tough. And we know that we're not going to get another season of that because this team is too prideful. And, you know, they sacrificed last season. So let's not make the sacrifice for nothing. Let's let's make sure that Tyrese has a running mate for the next seven years. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. And like most things, I agree with you on everything. I, 
this next three to five year span um, for the Pacers is so important. And I just look at a team like, for me personally, Philadelphia, I, that the process, they have completely butchered that process. And I know the Pacers haven't tanked for that long. They essentially only tanked this year at the end of it. But Philly obviously tanked for years and years. Now, yeah. the Pacers could get in a cycle of not tanking, but being low lottery picks and doing this for the next three to five years and going nowhere. You look at Philly drafted Fultz over Tatum, um, you know, all the bad decisions they've made, you know, letting Jimmy Butler go, signing Tobias Harris on a max, Al Horford, then letting him go to Boston. Like Philadelphia blueprint of what not to do in the last 10 years as a franchise. They haven't even made conference finals from all this tanking and stuff. So I guess what I'm saying is, Tanking doesn't always work. Philly are proven to show if you're getting high lottery picks, it doesn't mean you're going to be a championship contender. I feel the blueprint is exactly what you mentioned, Adam, is like Memphis, is to always compete because they're in a similar small market to us in the East and try and get that superstar, John Rant, like a Jaden Ivey. Try and, you know, pair him up. You know, they got Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, these good players. Get a get a good fit team where paces are always going to be, uh, you know, you, you guys can have, you know, your superstar, but we got five players who we think you can we can beat, you know. Yep. That's the Pacers model. You know, we tried it against Kobe and Shaq when it was Reggie, Mark Jackson, Rick Smiths. Didn't have enough, but we're not going to get probably a Giannis falling off fall on our doorstep anytime soon. Um, yep. You know, pray to God we do somehow, but it won't happen. So um, such a big year as a Pacer fan. Like you mentioned, Adam, it's been tough doing this podcast. It's, you know, <laughs> so tough watching the team. I feel like this, all Pacer fans, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think we're willing to wipe it clean and reset. Yeah. But if this season doesn't show any improvement and this draft pick doesn't turn out to be good. I do worry about the immediate future. It's really concerning. I mean, look, I think Rick Carlisle Rick is a championship coach. He's a winner. Um, Kevin Pritchard, he, he doesn't like to miss the playoffs. So, uh, and Herb Simon never likes to miss the playoffs. I mean, this team's record speaks for itself. I mean, you look at the teams that are left in the NBA right now as, as it stands in the conference finals, and Dallas did a similar thing. They, they took a step back for a season, got a top five pick, and they got Luca. I mean, look, whilst Luca's a transcendent player, and as you say, you, you hope to God that you get a player like that, it is a blueprint for taking a step back in order to take steps forward, in order to reset the franchise. Now, Dallas didn't have a Tyrese Halliburton to begin with. They only got that one high pick and then they paired him with a guy that just didn't work in Kristaps Porzingis. So this can go one of many, many different directions. I think the other thing about this franchise is that we know that they're not going to make massive, gigantic, bad salary commitments. I mean, they tend to make really good financial decisions for better or for worse in terms of short-term winning they tend to not burden themselves with terrible contracts, Monte Ellis aside. So ultimately, we can be sure that they're not going to sign the Kristaps Porzingis $150 million contract. But can they Can they sign the Tyrese Halliburton $180 million contract? Is that a check that they write? Well, you are right, Adam. And let's not forget that they did actually... 
offer Oladipo the max before he went to Houston. True. Thank God he didn't accept it. But yeah, obviously they're always on, um, you know, team friendly deals. The Pacers aren't going to offer anyone a ridiculous amount of money, I feel. So um, it's funny, we were talking in our DMs today, Adam, and I don't know if Pacer fans get the feeling. I just, for some reason, I don't know, I feel like Pacers have been linked to DeAndre Ayton and uh, I don't want to borrow him. I know you no. agree with Adam, but um, yeah, I really hope I don't see Pacers are. Uh, going hard after, you know, restricted free agent DeAndre Ayton because from what I've heard from Phoenix, there were rumblings. He only played 17 minutes tonight because Monty Williams asked, hey, do you want to come back in? And he said no. He, Yeah, he... You, unfortunately, you can't win with guys that have bad attitudes unless they rehabilitate and they learn, they, they mature and they grow, but... He's not a max player. He's not. He's nowhere near a max player. I mean, he he had. I think I said to you, he's played fourteen playoff games. He's had ten blocks. He's a center. Yeah. He's six foot eleven. Sure, he averages you know ten, eleven rebounds a night, and he can rebound. That's great. But former number one pick, hundred and twenty million dollar contract, hundred and fifty million dollar contract, whatever he's going to ask this summer. 10 blocks in 14 games. No, no, no. You're a 6'11 guy. You need to be getting two blocks a game along with your 11, 11 rebounds. You need to be, you know, a 2010 guy to pay to for me to pay you that amount. And even if you're the third, fourth option on the team, you need to be like an 18, 11, and two guy for me to consider that. And he's not. He just hasn't been. He puts up decent numbers, but he's, he's not a franchise-altering player. I mean, if no. I was to ask you... Would you rather DeAndre Ayton for $34 million a year or Miles Turner for $17 million a year? I feel like you'd take Miles Turner for half the price. A hundred percent. Because if Miles Turner was on the Phoenix Suns with a Hall of Fame point guard, Miles Turner would be probably putting up some similar numbers as DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And I think look, Ayton's super talented. He's clearly got a long way to go in terms of his mentality and in terms of his preparation, but um, right now, I would not be committing big-time money long-term to a guy like DeAndre Ayton uh, unless you had significant – and this is the other thing – unless you had significant veterans in that locker room that can try and get something out of him. And he's playing with Chris Paul, and he still acts like that. So even if you did have the veterans in, in the team, you still can't get through to the guy. So is he a lost cause at this point? Does he need to probably – go through a really sad free agency period where no one's willing to offer him that sort of money. So that he probably wakes up to himself and realizes that that's not the way to, you know, be a professional athlete. Maybe, but someone's going to pay him. You know, someone's going to pay him. So, so what you're saying, Adam, if paces get eight and then draft chat, you're, you're packing it in, you're done. Um, um, the, the, I can tell you right now, I just I just wrapped up covering the NBL playoffs. The I was privileged to to be an analyst for the NBL finals, and you know the the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, my my hometown team, made the finals in their first season as an expansion franchise. And the one thing that I can say for every player on that team is they played their asses off every single game. Not one time would one of those players have said, I don't want to come out. I don't want to play. And for you, Andre Ayton to do that, that's that's all my respect gone. I mean, you, you just can't do it. You're a professional athlete. You give it all for you. Give it your all for your teammates, for your fans, for your coaches. And the Tasmania Jack Jumpers did that. So if anyone wants to watch 
a team that cared and a team that tried its guts out despite having its entire front court out and made the finals only to fall short, then uh, the NBL, the NBL might be the second best league in the world at this point. Um, and, you know, EuroLeague is up there as well. But between EuroLeague and the NBL, I think um, there's uh, there's a lot of competition for that, you know, second, third best league in the world. But I digress. I think, um, yeah, I... I I do not want Chet. I do not want DeAndre Ayton. I think we stick with what we've got, a $17 million center that blocks three shots a game. And then we uh, we try and build around Tyrese Halliburton and we we give Miles and Tyrese a season together to see how that goes. Because guess what? If Miles can't play well with a point guard averaging nearly 10 assists a game, then it, that's it's just not, not going to work in Indy. It's not going to work. Yep, I think there's going to be a whole new starting lineup for the Pacers uh, come October, and I'm really interested. It, it's exciting to see, you know, we've always said NBA is a 12-month sport. There's not going to be much downtime being a Pacer fan, which is probably good because the last part, part of the season was downtime. So, yeah, let's all cross our fingers and toes. Thursday, we get some amazing news. You know, imagine if we did pull off the number one pick. Um, opens up so many things for the front franchise and, um, you know, hopefully we could turn this kind of rebuild over a bit quicker than we, than we hope. We will come to you on Thursday with our NBA draft lottery reactions. We'll try and record it live during the lottery to see how that goes. But for now, we've been the Pacers. We'll see you again next time.